Thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for being here. If you have a Bible, if you, or look it up on your phone to Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10. We've been working our way through the book of Daniel um, for the last few weeks. We have a couple more weeks, and then it'll be Advent and Christmas. And just a reminder uh, to look forward, Mark, on December 23rd, we are planning to do our Christmas Eve Eve service here at the church at 7 o'clock on Christmas Eve Eve, December 23rd. But Daniel chapter 10. I'm going to read the whole chapter this morning. Daniel chapter 10, it says this, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belshazzar. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves." So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved. Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days, but Michael, one of the chief priests, came to help me. For I was left there with the king of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision is for days yet to come. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke. I said to him who stood before me, O my Lord, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me, and no breath is left in me. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you that it is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against thee except Michael, 
your prince. And as for me, in the first year of Darius the Mede, I stood up to confirm and strengthen him. And now I will show you the truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thanks for your word. Lord, thanks for this ancient book that is the living word of God. And I pray the Holy Spirit, you would open our arts, hearts up to it this morning, that you would teach us from it, that you would encourage us with it, and that we would just respond to your word. I pray you'd help us this morning. I pray you would remove every distraction from us, that we just hear from you through your word. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Wow, wow, wow. That, that's what I wrote down when I read this on Monday and was getting ready for this. Just start out reading the passage, and as we read chapter 10, we've been seeing all these visions that Daniel has been talking about, and then it comes to Daniel chapter 10. It's the start of the last vision that Daniel received, and it's just wow. I mean, wow was my response. I mean, wow was kind of a weird word. I kind of looked up wow as I was uh, getting ready for it. It was cause back from like nine, fifth, in the 1500s, they originally started to say um, wow. And then the 1920s, uh, people started to use the word wow. And I think there's an emoji because it's just the natural response when you see something of wonder, your lip kind of turns, and it's just wow. I mean, this is the response of Daniel. A couple of years ago, we had a VBS theme. And every time the kids were to say something, the response to it was, wow, God. And we would say, here's a truth about God. And the kids would say, wow, God. And all week long, we would just say, wow, God, wow, God. Some of you remember that one? Or just wow, God, over and over and over again. And when you get to Daniel chapter 10, for some of us, the response in a November cold day, as you look at your own life, is not wow, God, but just wow, life. Wow, Wowee, is this really what's happening? Is this really what's going on? Wow, didn't think that was happening. Wow, that's unexpected. This is what I think we see at the introduction to this long vision that Daniel had. Wow. What, what God wants us to know while we go through the things that wow us. God helps us in Daniel chapter 10. In the ESV study Bible, the summary of this passage I thought was helpful. It says, it reminds us that the conflicts on earth reflect conflicts in the heavens. And this will continue to the end when God will ultimately triumph. Conflicts on earth reflects conflicts in the heavens, and this will continue to the end when God will ultimately triumph. And wow to all of that. Wow to the things. If you were to sit and think about your past week or what's going on in your own life, you might say to yourself, wow. I mean, wow is the response to a lot of things that happen to us. Wow, what is going on? So wow, what are we supposed to do with this next vision, this long introduction to another vision of Daniel's? Why are we going through this ancient text, this ancient story of old visions and dreams that Daniel had? What are we supposed to do with it? Well, we are supposed to read and walk through it. That's what we're supposed to do. It's the Word of God. It's all the Word of God. So as we go through these passages, 
that are sometimes difficult just to grasp in a first reading, we're supposed to still not skip them, but we read it and we walk through them. And then as we read it and walk through them, as you're reading the Bible, then you, you walk under it, which means you, you see some stuff and you, you don't become uh, to assume more than it should or assume less than it should. We are to walk under the Bible. We don't live above it. We're supposed to live under it. We read it and try to get the, our understanding and walk under it. And then we walk with it. And it's meant to mold us. It's meant to shape us. It's meant to conform us. And this is what Daniel 10 is also meant to do in just this wowing kind of way. Here's the setting. Daniel has had all these visions. This was his gift. If you remember in Daniel chapter 1, he was given this, vision, this gift for visions and dreams. And now it's come to the last vision, which takes up all of the rest of the book. And there's this long introduction into it, which is chapter 10. And it follows this great prayer that we looked at a few weeks ago in Daniel chapter 9 when he was praying for his people. And he's, he's older now. He's an old man in his late 80s, possibly in his 90s, and, he, and he, he's tying his entire life back to the, entire, that the fact that he's spent from a teenager in Babylon because he names himself this, this Belshazzar. That's what, that's what he's gone by for years. And all the while, he's longed for when he could go back to Jerusalem and what's going to happen with, in Jerusalem and the people of God. And so then in, when... Cyrus became king. In his first year, God granted to him this desire to let the people of Israel go back, to get out of exile. And so they, they went back, and they went back to, to, to Jerusalem, and a number of them did. But if you read Ezra chapter 1 through 4, not everybody did. They, they had lived in Babylon for 70 years, and now they had the right to go back to Jerusalem, and they were called to go back. Cyrus encouraged them to go back, and only a few did. And so Daniel hears this. He knows that only a few people who had the opportunity to go back have left. And then when they got back to Jerusalem, if you read Ezra chapter 1 through 4, you will see that they had great trouble when they got back there. There, there wasn't a big group of them. And then there was great opposition to building the temple. And they were, the people who lived around the land didn't like that Jew, Israel was coming back. And so they were persecuting them. And Daniel, probably because of his status, probably because of what he knew, he was getting these reports that things weren't going great with the people of God back in Jerusalem. And he, he prays. And he fasts and prays during Passover or during the time of unleavened bread, which usually is a time of feasting and celebration. But for Daniel, he's fasting and praying. But why didn't he go back to Jerusalem? Why didn't he, when the Cyrus say, hey, it's time to go back after all these years, which he'd longed for. Why, why didn't he go back? Well, he's an old man at this time. If you, if he was probably in his late 80s, maybe even his early 90s, and maybe his age and his abilities weren't as strong as they were, and he knew that going back to Jerusalem meant a lot of work. There was a lot of work to be done, and maybe he just couldn't, couldn't do it. Maybe he was retired in Babylon, and he knew that things weren't great, and he knew the struggle was there, and what he did was he fasted 
and prayed for three weeks. In Daniel chapter 1, when Daniel gave up not eating the king's meat, that didn't seem, that was not something that he apparently carried on for the rest of his life. He, he, he ate meat, he drank the wine, but at this time, when he heard the reports of what was going on, it, it, it bothered him so much, he was concerned for the people of God, that he went into fasting and prayer. A man who had spent years of his life longing to go back to Jerusalem, wanting to go back, worrying about the, the place and the people of God. He, he can't now go back in his old age, but what he can do is he can fast and he can pray. Corey Tinboom said this about prayer. The wonderful thing about prayer is that you leave a world of not being able to do something and enter God's realm where everything is possible. He specializes in the impossible. Nothing is too great for his mighty power and nothing is too small for his love. This is what Daniel knew. So he was fasting and praying for three, three weeks as an old man in Babylon, maybe partly retired. But I want you just to notice that he was still faithfully engaged with the people of God. This was his life. In our culture today, the idea is work hard, raise your family, and then for the last 25 years, if you're lucky, spend it on yourself. Retire, and you do you. You just find things to do, fill up all your dreams. That's the American dream, isn't it? That's the picture that we see over and over again. Here's, here's how to spend your life. You work hard for a season, you get involved, and then you're free to go, and you just get to do whatever you want, however you want, and make it all about you. I just want to highlight, there's nothing wrong with retiring and changing to a different direction, but there's something greatly wrong with retiring and changing away from serving God in that process. Daniel was constantly, he was faithfully engaged and very passionate about the things of God and very passionate about the people of God in his old age, in his retirement. I mean, so much so that he he stopped eating and stopped drinking for three, he stopped uh, eating delicacies or meat or wine for three weeks, prayed and fasting because he was passionate about what was God doing and he was just wowed by it. He got this vision and this first vision comes out was just wow. As he did that, wow. What does God want us to know when you are wowed by what's going on with life, the, the first thing I think God would want you to know is wow. God wants you aware of his greatness. Daniel's concerned about his life. He's concerned about his friends. He's concerned about the faith. He's concerned about the people of God. And God comes to him in this vision, and he says, on the 24th day of the first month, verse 4, as I was standing on the bank of the great river that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold. He's, on, he's, he's prayed. He's wondering if God's going to work. He's out on the Tigris River, he looks, looks up, and all of a sudden he sees this unbelievable vision. I mean, it's just, just wow. He's stunned by it. He sees this guy brilliantly in, clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold. 
His body's like barrel, which is like this flashing light coming out of him. He's just seeing this light. His face is like the appearance of lightning, and his eyes are like flaming torches, and his arms and legs are like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sounds of his words are like the sound of a multitude. It's like the sound of a football stadium, just this roar. That's what it sounds like. Daniel is absolutely wowed by this. And he, he, he is just stunned by this. All the people around him, they, they, they hear the noise, but they don't see the vision. And, and they run and flee, and Daniel's left to himself. What did Daniel see? What is it that Daniel saw? Well, we, we know that linen that he was clothed in represented what the priest would wear. And he had this, this flashing brightness. He had his, his face was like, and his eyes were like flaming torches, and, and, and lightning was upon him. I mean, Daniel had seen some angels before, but there was something about this one that, that brought him to his knees in fear, and he's absolutely wowed at this. Well, what, some people would say that this was a picture, that this was a pre-incarnate picture of Jesus, that this was God. But as you read further, it says that there was a struggle and he couldn't get to him right away. And it took three weeks for him to get to them. So it seems odd that God would be stopped by something. The question is, we're not really sure what he saw. Some people believe that it was a pre-incarnate picture of Christ. Some people believe it was just this powerful angel. But what it does do is it pictures for us that as Daniel saw this, he's wowed by it, and he's, he's using all these descriptive words. It's like he's ransacking his vocabulary to try to figure out how to describe this vision, this person that he sees. He, he's overwhelmed by it. And maybe you'll just remember in the New Testament when, when Saul, who became, changed his name to Paul, was on his way to Damascus. It's kind of the same scene. He hears Jesus speaking to him, scared to death, and nobody else does. He's blinded by this. What we do know is that Daniel was just wowed by this vision of this person that he saw that was reflecting the glory of God. And how should we see this? What this should do for us when you read this and just read this description of this being that is so bright, so flashing, come from God, so overwhelming that it scared Daniel to death, it should raise our perspective on reality. What we see walking in here, what you see throughout the week, driving to work, in traffic, getting stuck, that's not full reality. There's a much greater reality going on than that. It should raise our perspective constantly on reality. This is a real story that really took place. It should refresh, your, it should refresh yourself, or you should refresh yourself with the reality of who God declares himself to be. This is, if it was a reflection of God's glory, it definitely was that. This, this bright angel that appeared to him clearly was reflecting the glory of God in such a flashing way that it absolutely scared Daniel to death. That's the God that we, we serve. This is who God is. Joyce Baldwin says this. This is a picture. It's a salutary reminder of the majesty 
of God and of the amazing condescension of the incarnation. When you picture God, do you picture God as just this small little buddy that you have on the side of the car with you, or just whenever you need him, you just kind of toss things out and ask him a question? Is he just this close little buddy? That's not the picture that we get of God in Scripture. The picture that we get of God in Scripture is this amazing, he's, got, he's, he's lightning in his eyes. There's fire, there's a flame, it's just overwhelming presence. This is who God is. And that great, amazing God was willing to condescend to become a man in the person of Jesus Christ. I mean, sometimes we just need to refresh our picture of who God is and how God describes himself and resist this casualness with your relationship with God. Where you talk to God and you think about God like he's your next door neighbor, your coworker you're in conflict with, and when things don't go your way, you know, it's just like you and God having a conversation just like you would have a conversation with your just friend that you're upset about. That, that's, not, that's not God. That's not the way we, we come to God. God is different than us. God's not like us. God is separate, but not separated from us. Isaiah 55 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. It should just sometimes make us pause and just say, wow, God. You are unbelievably great. And when we're struggling to see what he's doing and think we can just march up to him and say, I don't like the way you're doing this in my life, as if he has to respond to us because we have some demand. We need to humble ourselves like Daniel did and fall before him. He was wowed before the greatness of God. I mean, really, when was the last time by yourself in the morning, in the afternoon, in your car, where as a Christian, you were awed by the greatness of God or just stirred you to the reality of who He is and how great He is that He would even just care for you just a little bit. Daniel was wowed. This is the first thing we need to know with all the wowing moments of our life. We need to know, first of all, wow. We need to know that God wants us to know about his greatness. And then God wants us to know, wow, we need to be aware of the unseen spiritual conflict that's going on. Daniel sees this vision. He's awed by it. He loses his strength, it says in verse 10. Then the sound, in verse 9, then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of the words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And then he tells Daniel, listen, I wanted to come. As soon as you prayed, I came. You started praying, I started coming. But then I was met by the prince of Persia 
And we had a battle for three weeks. And Michael had to come and help me so I could come all the way. Daniel's mind was stretched beyond the boundaries of his thinking. He was praying to God. He was asking God to move. And all of a sudden, he gets this vision. And all of a sudden, he hears that, hey, I heard your prayer the first time, and I started to come, but I wanted to know. I want you to know, Daniel, there is a cosmic conflict going on that is greater than you can see. And if we're not careful ourselves, we forget that. Daniel chapter 10 is one of the greatest passages of Scripture where it just opens up for us that this, what we see and all the conflicts we see is not that all there is to see. There's a much bigger cosmic conflict, spiritual battle going on that we cannot see. Daniel was stretched beyond his thinking with that, and he lost all his physical strength. I mean, he hears this, he, and he, he just keeps falling down. He, he, can't, he is a man of flesh, and he's struggling to understand it, and he's just overwhelmed by it, and he is losing his strength. He's stretched beyond the boundaries of his thinking. And Daniel then is shown the reality of spiritual warfare that is real. Abraham Kuyper, who was the Dutch prime minister in the last century, who was a believer, he said this, if once the curtains were pulled back and the spiritual world behind it became into view, it would expose to our spiritual vision a struggle so intense, so convulsive, so sweeping, everything within its range, that the fiercest battle ever fought on earth would seem by comparison a mere game. If we could see what was taking place or what is taking place right now as a people all across the country and even in this room are trying to hear spiritual truth and the spiritual battle that is going on to try to stop that from happening in your life, we would be shocked by it. None of us would be able to stand up from that. We would, be, we would all be trembling. And this is what Daniel sees, this unbelievable spiritual conflict, this battle that is going on. Don't neglect this reality in our current cultural situation and in your own close conflicts. It is very true that in the deepest parts of our government and our culture, there is not conspiracies, but there, is a, there are spiritual enemies that, that have been set up. Demonic forces, this says, oh, with the prince of Persia, and then it's going to happen with the prince of Greece, it says later on, that are pushing agendas and ideas that go against God. It's been going on for centuries. It will continue to go on. This is why Ephesians 6, 11, and 12 is so important. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. It shouldn't surprise us that we sense that there is an opposition to spiritual things, that there's an opposition to Jesus Christ, that there's an opposition to the things that the Bible says are right and wrong. It shouldn't surprise us that in Finland right now, one of their parliamentary, parliamentarians is being arrested and charged with standing up for biblical beliefs. All over the world, Daniel 10 says that there are demonic forces 
in conflict that we can't see, and we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness. We, we see it in cultural events, and we go, yeah, that, there's got to be that. I, I, I see it. There's just, there's, why is this always in my face? Why are these, these things being pushed in? We, we get that. But sometimes we forget that those realities are also true in our own personal conflicts, our own, truce, our own personal relationships with, Peter, with people. Peter, Peter Lilbrick says this, the difference between people, the fallenness of our hearts, the wiring of our brains, and the competitiveness of life over scarce resources conspire to keep us in a state of constant conflict. This may not be happening right now, but there's a truth to that. There is a constant desire for conflict. We all constantly can feel this in many ways. It's in us. But if we're not careful as Christians, one, we have to recognize there is conflicts, but we also have to recognize that our conflicts are with people. But there is a greater conflict going on. There is someone who wants to destroy all those good relationships. There, there are causes right now of frustration in people. There's causes of just conflict with inflation, with exhaustion, with just the unrelenting nature of things the last few years. All of this is not just human. This is being stirred up by someone who wants to destroy all that is Jesus Christ wants to lift up. When Daniel saw this, in verse 15, he says, when he had spoken to me according to these words, when he heard the picture of the cosmic battle that was taking place, I turned my face to the ground and was mute. I mean, he couldn't even speak. It took everything out of him. What's your response to the reality, to the wow that God wants you to know that there is a, there is a conflict going on for your life spiritually. There, there is a conflict going on for your mind. And there's a battle that wants to be won. It wants to pull you away from Christ, pull you away from faith, pull you into conflict, pull you into struggle, and make you believe that it's just you struggling on your own, that there's a deeper struggle going on. What do we do with that? When, when was the last time, maybe, that you recognized that and you said, I'm, I'm going to surrender and submit my life to Jesus Christ? You're already a Christian, you're trusting God, but you're just, you're just going to surrender, yield your life again. Just say, God, I, I know there's a battle for me. I see it. I feel it in, in, in work. I feel it on the drive to work. I feel it on my drive home. I can feel it when I walk into my own house. I sense it with friends. I sense it with relationships. I see it on social media. There's a struggle to pull me away from you. It's greater than you think. It's cosmic. It's demonic. It's evil. And as a Christian, maybe this week, maybe just right now, you just need to pray an old prayer, something like, I yield my life to you. Take, take my mind, my eyes, 
my ears, take my hands, take my feet, take me completely. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to live into submission to you so that when Satan comes, I may resist him in your strength. Or have you been fighting it on your own? And the wow that God would say to you this morning is, hey, wow, there's a bigger battle than you think, and I'm here to help you. Because the third wow that I think we can see in this is that, wow, all that's true, but wow, God wants you aware of his care. This vision that Daniel's about ready to receive takes an unbelievable toll on him. All over the place, he's fallen on the ground, he can't speak, he loses his appearance, he turns white as a ghost, he's, he's pale, he has no strength to get up, he can't hardly speak back, he, he's struggling to understand. It just takes an amazing toll on him. But here's the truth about the toll that it took on Daniel. In verse 12, it says, Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The first truth about the toll is that God is intentionally available for the people of God. From the first prayer that Daniel spoke, it went right to God. Don't assume God's not listening to your prayers. Don't assume also that your answer must come immediately. Daniel fasted and prayed. It wasn't about himself. He was passionate about the church, passionate about the people of God, and he was wondering what was going to happen to them. The future was not going to look good at all for them. He prays. He hears nothing. But then the angel says, don't fear. From the first words you heard, spoke, I heard it. Ian Bounds said this about prayer. God shapes the world by prayer. Prayers are deathless. The lips that utter them may be closed to death. The heart that felt them may have ceased to beat, but the prayers live before God and God's heart is set on them and prayers outlive the lives of those who uttered them. They outlive a generation. They outlive an age. They outlive a world. You've been praying for something for five years and you think, are you hearing me, God? He's hearing you. He heard you the first time you said it. And he's got a plan that he's working out. And don't assume that the answer is going to be immediate, but know that God is intentionally available. He's hearing it, and you keep praying. He calls us to keep praying. Not only is he intentionally available with the toll, God is intimately arranging these things. He says, fear not. Peace be with you, Daniel. It's going to be okay for the people of God. They are going to go through some stuff, but fear not, peace be with you. 
You think, this is hard. I've been praying for a long time. I want things to turn around in my life. I want things to turn around in my family. I want things to turn around in the church. I want this, I want this, and I'm praying. It doesn't seem like God's answering. I just feel like I'm getting hurt. Daniel was hurt by the information he was about ready to receive. He, he, he lost all his strength in it. He, he, was, he was weak in this. Helen Rosevere, who was a, who was a nurse, Christian nurse who was brutally attacked while she was a nurse for, for her faith as a missionary, she, she said this after, after the attack. She said, God never uses a person greatly until he has wounded him deeply. The privilege he offers you is greater than the price you have to pay. The privilege is greater than the price. Daniel understood that. And God was intimately arranging this. He was God's intentionally available. He was intimately arranging this. And God, God is actively caring for you. Verse 20 and 21, it says this. The angel says to them, do you know why I have come to you? Daniel's, I mean, he's scared to death. He can hardly talk. He's trembling. Now he's got to answer a question. Do you, do you know why I've come to you? But now I, I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. Here's, here's the point of the whole vision that Daniel was going to get. The vision shows that no matter the wow event, God is in control and can relate to it before it even happens. And the wow will not escape the will and work of God. And you can put your full weight and trust in God. What God's about to do for Daniel is he's going to say, Here, here's the vision, Daniel. I'm going to show you the future. And chapter 11 is all about historical reality of what happened to the people of God and the struggle they went to. And before any of it happened, God knew it and he said what was going to take place. And he was in control of all of it. God's actively caring for you and he says, be strong and of good courage. We have a God who knows the future and who tells the future, and is in control of the future. And you look at your wow moments and think, that wasn't supposed to be part of my future. This isn't what I expected for my future. Wow, that's unexpected. Wow, I didn't know this was happening. God says this was part of his plan. Psalm 139 says all our days are before him as if, we, as if they had already happened. He knows everything about our lives, and he knows everything that's going to take place. And his response to it is there will be struggle along the way, but for those in Christ, be strong and of good courage. He knows the future. He knows what's going to take place. So we can be strong and of good courage. Every once in a while, I'll walk over to the kids' own room, and I'll look out the door, and a little window in the door, and there's a gravestone and on the back of the gravestone is the word safely home. And there was a man here named Dan Cutler years ago who came to this church and he could throw a softball like nobody's business. He was athletic. He was strong. He looked like he should live till he was 110. And he got a disease and at 43 
he died. He was influential in a lot of things that took place in this church. Some of you know that. And he's buried right over there. And I think for a reminder to this church, they wrote on the back of it, safely home. This is the truth of Daniel chapter 10. This is the truth of all the wow things that God wants us to be aware of. He wants us to be wowed by his greatness. He wants to be, us to be wowed but that there is a spiritual cosmic battle for our souls. But he also wants us to be wowed by his care. That at the end, as we go through our history, one day, because of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, we will all be safely home. That's the hope you have. That's the hope that we can have. It is hard now, but one day we will be safely home. What was Daniel's response to that? Daniel's response to it was surrender, submission, and he was strengthened by it. There were probably more tears to come, but there was probably also a lot of joy that he saw as well. And Daniel's response as he heard that, that God knows it all, God's in control, and wow, this is stuff I wasn't expecting. His response in verse 19, and, I, and, he, said, and he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. This morning, maybe you just need to let God speak. Say, God, I am overwhelmed, or I feel I might be with some wows, or I've got some wow things in my life. But God, I want to trust that you care for me, so I'm just going to let you speak, and I will rest in you, knowing that because of Christ, you're going to get me safely home. Let's pray.